Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I am joined here with Christopher Wesley. How are you, man? I'm doing well, John. Doing well, living the dream. Uh, you know, probably, I know we're recording this at the beginning of coronavirus uh, uh pandemic and everything like that. Um, maybe people are listening to this on their way to work and school again. Maybe it's cleared up. Maybe they're listening to it at home. But uh, we are just so thankful for technology and the ability to talk with you all about church ministry, helping you guys do church better because we want to see the church grow. We want to see it flourish. So John, any chance I get to talk with you, my friend, even though you live on the West Coast and never say hello when you're on the East Coast. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) So good to see you. Yeah, he's giving me a hard time because I often end up in Baltimore, but I don't I don't make the time to go see him, which he's right. I should uh, I should be uh, chastised for that. So but this is good inside of me. It's just the Italian side of me giving you that guilt. Yeah, it's it's just the Catholic side of you. Right. Yeah. So uh, but this is good. We we're conversing and and we don't have to worry. I'm not going to give you, you know, the coronavirus and you're not going to give it to me because uh, I believe, you know, the CDC says that it doesn't pass through. Uh, the internet, right? Is that right? That, that, it doesn't pass we're, the we're in trouble if it does pass through the <laughs> oh internet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what would people do without being on social media? So, if, oh no, it comes through. No. Yeah. Anyways, oh, whatever. <laughs> so, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to change the subject completely, Chris, because today, you know, today I want to talk a little bit about uh, pastoral councils and finance councils and whether we should elect council members or whether we should discern council members. And I really, this has been a point of conversation with a lot of clients and a lot of other folks recently, not just myself, but but some of the other staff members with Pair Success Group like Rich and others are, are dealing with this as well. Um, I, I think our pastors, our leadership need more guidance about how we work with pastoral councils and finance councils. And so uh, this is going to be one of, I think, many episodes that we're going to have in the future where we're going to talk about a little bit more about pastoral councils and finance councils. You know, but, but this is a particular sticking point for folks is like, do we do, do we elect pastoral council members or do we just prayerfully discern council members? Chris, tell me a little bit about your experience with councils uh, and, and how, how they've worked in your, in your realm, in your ministry. Yeah, no, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I have very limited experience. Um, it, uh, you know, it's not that parish councils didn't exist, you know, or, or whatnot in, in the parishes that I worked at. But um, at Nativity, um, I had, I, I, there were, plenty of moments where I interacted with parish council, but didn't have the same amount of involvement that I do now with my current parish at St. Joseph. Um, and uh, so for me, I, I, I'm going to default more to, to, to what you're learning um, through parish success group and your own experience uh, versus, versus mine. But what I will say is I've always had a relationship with at least one or two members on parish council for the very reason of wanting to make sure that youth ministry was on someone's mind besides the pastor, right? Was on someone's mind and heart besides um, the pastor of our our parish. Because um, I know, um, you know, as much as youth ministers might gripe about, there's a lot of truth to it where um, it's so important, yet it's also overlooked quite a bit because there's so many other things that pop up. Um, At St. Joseph, um, and I think part of this is just, you know, being older, maturity, you know, um, uh, 
things along those lines. Um, I, when I came on that staff, I made sure that I learned much more about parish council and our pastors really good at, at saying to staff, like you are welcome to be at parish council. Um, I know that some parishes they're mandated to be there as like a non-voting member. Um, I know that some parishes are like, nope, it's not open to, um, to uh, staff. But I really do appreciate where our pastor, he is a huge advocate of like, if you have something that you feel like uh, the parish council should hear, you're more than welcome to present that. You don't need your committee member or something like that to, to present that to you. So um, I, I, I feel like uh, I, I really enjoy the relationship I do have with many of our pa parish council members and the accessibility that our pastor does give us. Yeah. And, and you, you've named a lot of future topics that we want to get into in, in the future. And so I love that. I'm actually was just writing notes based on your experience, which is really helpful, which is why I love doing podcasts with you, Chris, because oh. we bring our experience to the table and, and you have different experience than I do, which is great. But, but today I really want to talk about, uh, uh, you know, should we be electing pastoral council or finance council members, or should we be discerning them based on gifts and strengths? Now I'll just let the cat out of the bag here, Chris, just so I don't leave people on edge. We, I am really a fan of, we should not be electing folks. We should really be discerning gifts uh, and, and inviting, the pastor should be inviting folks to come around the table based on the gifts that they bring. Uh, and, and so that's what we're going to kind of break open today of why the election model doesn't really work well and why the discerning model does work well. So that's going to be basically our agenda today. Does that sound fair, Chris? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that definitely sounds fair. Um, I think that that's good. So let's get started. Good. So let's talk about the election model. And here's, 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 I understand that a lot of parishes do the election model. It's been a, a history, a tradition of who we are in terms of councils. And, and actually many denominations do it that way too. It's not just the Catholic Church that does it that way. But, but here, here's the fundamental flaw with the election model electing folks is that the people who end up on the pastoral council or the finance council end up being on there because they're well-known. It's a popularity contest for all intents and purposes, right? Uh, and, and so people are going to choose who they know versus whether it's a person that has the right gifts or not. And that's just the wrong angle to go at it. Uh, you know, and, and, and what, it, what happens with the election, quite honestly, is that when people are elected, the focus if I could be just totally blunt, the focus for that individual who's elected is not about oftentimes, I'm being judgmental here, it's not about <laughs> serving the parish community, but often it's about power and influence. And I only say that because I've seen it time and time again, where people are quote unquote elected onto these councils, and then they feel like they have this unprecedented power or influence over the parish, over the pastor, over parishioners, uh, when actually that's not the purpose of a pastoral finance council in the first place. And so that's one of the huge issues I have about that, you know, and, and is that, and, and the fact is that the pastor ends up getting people on their, on their council that actually is not going to help them move the vision and the strategy forward of the parish. What's your sense? When I say that, Chris, are you like John's on crack? Are you like, yeah, you know, where, where are you at with that when you hear me say that? Because that's kind of a bold, bold statement right there. I think it is anyway. I, I think there's a lot of truth to it. Um, you know, it's interesting because where parish council does more than just serve as an advisory council is in those parishes that can't afford large staffs, right? I mean, um, but then it's almost like a different parish 
council. It's almost a different kind of council right there, right? You go from an advisory sort of uh, board to a more um, um, active board, right? Like, um, and the way that I, I look at it is I'm, I'm chair of the uh, of a prison ministry um, called Uncuffed. And we're, we're not just an advisory board for our executive director and its staff. We actually have a lot of functioning roles because we don't have a large staff, right? So in a parish, smaller parishes or parishes with less means and resources, they probably do have to lean on their parish council um, a little bit more than a parish. I'll, I'll use mine as an example where we have a large staff, right? And um, in, in that sort of sense, I feel like the parish council is maybe more of an advisory uh, team or uh, a sounding board for the, for the pastor. Um, and, and so it's kind of like interesting because when we look at this subject, and I know we're talking about like how we acquire people for that, I, I think parishes have to identify in what kind of capacity is this board going to serve based on the current circumstance of your parish. Um, and if, and that, so that, that's one, where are we now? And then if you're a small parish, but have the potential to grow, how do we make sure that we grow where, and this is, I think what we see a lot of, right? Is how do we grow and, and change that model that in a way that fits the new paradigm, right? So um, I will say that I've seen a lot of parishes and this goes to what you were talking about where, you know, they first elect or recruit or appoint this parish council and they're effective, they're vibrant, but then they've been there too long. And then they all of a sudden just become like power mongering um, individuals who use this as a status symbol and a good old boys club um, that can alienate the rest of the parish. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if that really, uh, yes, I do think what you said was bold, um, but I, I think there's also, we've got to look at it in a little bit of a different way. Yeah, I agree. And, and what you're getting to is things like the purpose of the board or the council, right? Term limits, how we structure them, things like that. And those are all going to be future episodes uh, because I agree with all those statements uh, wholeheartedly. But again, I think the fact of the matter is election, it's, it's a popularity contest for all intents and purposes. And then it ends up for many people, many parishioners, it ends up being about power and influence, not about service. Mm -hmm. Now let's, let's, let's contrast that with the discernment model, right? And to your point, Chris, you were talking about what does the church really need? Where is the church really going, right? Uh, in terms of its strategy, in terms of its pastoral plan, what are our priorities going to be moving forward, right? And then for the pastor and maybe even key staff members or other members of the council to kind of say, okay, what are the gifts? What gifts do I need as a pastor? What gifts do I need around the table that's going to help me as the pastor, as the, the shepherd, as a canonical leader, drive the vision and the strategy forward, right? And so if, for instance, we have some strategies around engaging, engaging parents and families and maybe families with young children, right? You know, yes, you want staff members who can do that. But part of the question is, is, is who can help advise us right, in terms of the advisory role that has gifts and experiences that way. So for instance, an example of this is if you really be intentional about connecting with young families, with young kids, maybe there's a, a, a teacher, you know, in an elementary school, part of your parish boundaries that that's got some skills that could be really beneficial for you as a pastor, kind of bring them on board. So then you can be strategic about inviting people to your council based on the gifts that they bring. Maybe you guys are deciding that you need to go into a capital campaign here, maybe in the next year or six months. Well, 
what type of gifts do I need around the table as pastor to help me and guide me in moving this pastoral in this capital campaign forward? Well, is someone who's got maybe experience, if it's a master plan, like uh, uh, kind of redoing the sanctuary space or, or, or getting new HVAC systems and stuff like that, like getting maybe someone who has experience in construction and contract, or maybe someone who has experience in fundraising, uh, or maybe someone who has experience in accounting, right? That's, that's what I mean by thinking about your strategy, your goals moving forward and start discerning folks to bring to the table because here's the reality chris the people that you really need around the table for pastoral council are often not going to be the ones that are going to go yeah i'll be on your council they're not going to raise their hand and do that uh they're going to need that invitation because oftentimes many parishioners don't even know that's even an opportunity that they don't even know that that's a way that they can serve and so they come at it very differently when you as a pastor or as a parish administrator invite folks based on gifts versus an election, right? And so immediately, just because of that invitation saying, hey, Chris, I'd, I'd love to invite you to be part of our pastoral council because you have this great experience in working with young people. And that's, that's going to be where our focus area. I think you'd be a real great gift to us. Would you prayerfully discern, Chris, to be on my parish council for two years or four years, whatever the, the term limits are. And by the way, I'm not going to talk about term limits in this episode, but term limits are a requirement. I think you should have term limits and renewable. We'll talk about that in the future. But, but uh, you know, the invitation, and Chris, we've talked about this too with even inviting volunteers. It's invitation is the, really the key aspect to kind of empower people to bring people in. And you can do it very intentionally about bringing people on, on your council that are going to have the gifts and strengths that you need in terms of moving the strategy forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 I think especially when you have a smaller parish or like a smaller staff, um, the idea of appointing people and, and asking them to discern it and everything is, is so key. It's so huge. Um, what, what, when you're working, here's a question I have for you. When you're looking at um, building a parish council, like, what's the appropriate size or is there a ratio? Like if, if I'm fulfilling a certain amount of spots, I mean, obviously most chairs or boards or councils, you have an executive committee, right? Where it's the chair, the vice and the secretary or, and the treasurer, you know? Um, but like when you're, when you're working with parishes on that or your thoughts, uh, how many spots am I recruiting for? Like what's a, a healthy parish council size? Obviously, it would depend on your situation, but I think four is too small, right? And I think you get more, anything above 10 to 12, that's too large. Uh, you know, four is too small in the sense that, you know, you, you, you don't have all the gifts you need around the table, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you need some more conversation, some more influence. I, and I think 10 to 12, you get too large at that point because then, you, it, then it becomes hard to structure and have a functioning, uh, a functioning council. And so, again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the future, but really that eight to 10, you know, is really about right, you know, and again, it depends on your needs. Maybe you, maybe if you're going into a capital campaign, you're going to invite a few extra people, maybe temporarily based on that, because you need some different expertise, right? Uh, and, and kind of move that forward that way. That's great too. Uh, but again, you get larger than 12, it becomes harder to manage. You can't manage the conversations really well uh, and, and people's voices aren't heard um, as strategically as they need to be. And so I'm of the mind of eight to 10 is really about right. Again, it depends on your parish needs, but that's really about right for councils in my mind. 
So just to kind of push with the uh, appointing versus election, right? Mm -hmm. One of the benefits with election is that while it can be a popularity contest, it also can be your opportunity to cast the net wider and get people who are going to challenge you and be different than you, right? We, we don't want to necessarily have a, a council of people who are just going to be like, yes, sirs, yes, you know, yes, men and yes, women. We want people who are uh, going to be able to challenge our thoughts and our ideas. The other thing is, what if I'm like limited in thinking outside my comfort zone of people to a point, right? Like, may, like I'm thinking off the top of my head, yeah, there's maybe two or three people right away, but how do I know um, if I'm asking the right people? Yeah. So good. Couple, couple places to go with this. this is a perfect segue, right? Uh, as part of your discernment as a pastor, as you're discerning who needs to be around the table, you need to be comfortable enough in your leadership to invite folks uh, who are not contrarians in the negative sense, but are, are thinking differently about church than you, because you do need that point of view, right? So part of that is being very secure in who you are as a leader and how you manage your councils to be able to do that. So yes, it shouldn't be just about what gifts people bring to the table. That's a huge piece of it. But the second piece I agree is, is who, who thinks a little bit differently? Not that I want someone to be negative all the time or attack me all the time. It's not about that. Right. But who thinks a little differently that we as a, as a leadership team, as a council can really benefit from that perspective. So I want a pastor to be comfortable enough in his shoes to invite other people that bring different perspectives. So I think that you need to be intentional about that. Again, I don't think the election process is the best way of bringing that person around the table. There's still a discernment piece to this, okay? And and let me add a piece to this discernment. This is not just about looking at gifts and strengths, but I use the word discernment intentionally because it's also about prayer. I want you as the pastor to be prayerfully thinking about who needs to be around you or what gifts you need around you. Right. And give that to God and have God lead some of that Mm -hmm. discernment for you. And I also want the people who I'm inviting to prayerfully consider this because this is an important role. And and I don't think we should downplay the role of the pastoral council, the finance council. This is an important role. Uh, And I want them to prayerfully go into this and understanding what they're being asked to do. And is this what, is this what God wants them to do? So, um, so I think that discernment piece, that prayering piece, is I think a real essential aspect to this that you again I don't believe most parishes would get in election process some some I can imagine doing the election process well and it could be prayerful but in many cases that's not how it's going to operate well and what I also like about the appointment versus uh election is with an election you're kind of at the mercy of the people right and I know that sounds kind of bad because with a parish and everything like that where if they elect someone that is like toxic or not good for that parish council, you're gonna have a much bigger uphill battle, right? To remove that person. Where if you recruit the wrong person, you know, that's your that's your bad, but you can also own it. And it, no one's gonna like, people might criticize you for it, but in a much different way and a lot less uh, of a capacity than if it's an election, right? Because then that's you saying like, you know what, I made a mistake. This person's not the right fit. Let's move on. Where with an election, you're kind of saying to people, you made a mistake. Um, Let's, you know, I'm trying to fix it. Let's move on in that regards. 
Yeah. And I understand the desire for elections, right? Because you want to empower the church community to take ownership of, of the leadership of the church. And, and that is, that's valuable. That has a, some extreme merit, but it doesn't, I still don't believe it. I think there are more effective ways of doing that, I guess yeah. is what I'm trying yeah. to say. You know, uh, it's like an election process doesn't do that, but you're right. You know, in election process, you get stuck with what you get because there's only going to be a handful of people that are going to want to go through the election process. Right. Uh, you know, because I imagine, you know, and, and, and I feel this way about politics too. Sometimes like the people that really should be in leadership and maybe, you know, in government positions are the people who would never run, <laughs> run for office. Right. The same thing is true in our parish, right. You know, that they would never seek it. Those are the type of people you want, right? Because it's not about power. It's not about influence. It's about service and right. about being of service to the community. Uh, and again, to your point, that the, when you elect, this assumes a certain amount of power uh, uh, and decision-making power that individuals have, when in reality, how the hierarchical structure of the church works is both finance and pastoral councils are not decision-making bodies per se. They can be if a pastor chooses to be, and, and, and I recommend that. We'll talk about that more later, right? But ultimately, canon law specifically, especially about finance council, says it's advisory. The pastor still makes the ultimate decision, right? That's the way our structures are set up. It, now, a pastor would be unwise to make you know, a lot of decisions that are contrary to what their councils are saying. Again, that's a whole other conversation. But when you've got the discernment model, there's a better understanding in terms of that advisory role that they play in helping the pastor make the decision. It's not like a board of directors of a nonprofit that they supervise the, the, the executive director, right? And the pastor, for all intents and purposes, is the executive director, right? But the, the, the council does not supervise, right? You know, the bishop still supervises the pastor, period, right? right. Uh, and, but the councils play that advisory role. And the discernment model really brings alive that advisory role in a way that the election model muddles it up a little bit, to be quite honest. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think, you know, one thing I've been thinking about is a lot of this is directed at pastors, right? Uh, pastors, associate pastors and pastoral associates who uh, lead that that church and that charge for the parish council. Um, you know, if you're a youth minister, if you are a DRE, if you are uh, the, the business manager and don't have this direct role, one of the things you can do for your pastor is introduce him to men and women that can meet these qualities. You can be a part of that. And I would actually say, and this contradicts what I was asking before or actually answers my own question of if you're struggling to find people to be on your parish council to a point, what that shows is that you're having a uh, leadership pipeline um, or a leadership culture um, problem, right? So um, it, those of us in youth ministry or children's ministry or any other ministry in the parish, it's our job to raise up the next level of leaders so that when our pastor goes like, okay, who are the leaders in my parish? They can look at our ministries and say like, hey, Chris, you know, you've got Joanne there and she is fantastic. Like, I want to ask her to be on parish council. What do you think? You know, or John, I see uh, Dan there and he is doing an incredible job. I think you'd be great for parish council. What are your thoughts? Right. So a pastor should be able to go to his staff, go to his key volunteers and say, like, who are the next leaders up? Who are the next men and women up that I can uh, 
that I can reach out to and have them discern uh, whether or not to be a part of a uh, parish or financial councils. It's an excellent point, Chris, because basically what you're saying is the discernment model only works if you're in relationship with your community. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so how do you get to know people? How are you building those relationships? Again, I don't pretend that the pastor should know every single person in the parish because most of our parishes are too big. So now to your point, Chris, leveraging your staff, leveraging your other volunteers to help build those relationships and those connections, I think is absolutely key. So, yes, the discernment model, its foundation is you are in relationship with your parish community. Right. And we've got other episodes on that and how you build relationships. And we're not going to rehash that in this particular episode. You can search if you go to churchpodcast.org. We've got quite a few things on relational ministry. Just put that in the search bar and you'll find a couple things uh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's about building relationships. And then that's how you know. That's how you know people have the right gifts. So, so let me, as we kind of move towards wrapping up here, Chris, let's get a little bit more practical here. There are quite a few parishes that I've worked with that have bylaws, quote unquote, in place that kind of help shape uh, the reality of, of how we go about elections or discernments or whatnot. You know, if, if you're one of those parishes that has bylaws, uh, you are, as a pastor, you are well within your right to take a look at those bylaws and begin to make edits. Now, I don't think you should make edits unilaterally, right? You know, I think this is the conversation agenda item. If you have an election process, you need to take a look at your, your bylaws or standard operating procedures that you have and, and, and start bringing that up to your current parish council and start talking about some of the reasons that we just talked about in this episode of why you want to make a shift on this. Don't do it unilaterally. You could do it unilaterally. You have that ability, that influence as pastor to do that but it's not going to be received well if you do it unilaterally. So start bringing that conversation up with the parish council, finance council, take a look at what those bylaws say and start having the conversation. The cho- this change may be slow, which will be fine, you know, but, but do this with people and get people's buying and support. I want, if you're an election model right now, I want you to have the buy-in from your current elected council members as you move to this, but they're going to need an understanding of why. So take a look at your bylaws, start thinking about and writing down even what's your vision of, of how a pastoral council finance council operates. And then that becomes your agenda as part of next time you meet with your parish or finance council to start talking about this, but you need to have a clear vision of why. And hopefully what we've done in this episode, Chris, is we've provided some of that vision for, for them, for pastors to articulate to council members and staff, why we would want to move in this direction at all. And so I think really those are the first steps, but, but take it slow, right? I don't pretend that a shift like this is going to be absolutely easy. You're not going to move to, to a discernment model tomorrow, but I think if you have a clear understanding of why and take the points that we talked about, it's going to be a whole lot easier to kind of bring that to your leadership and, and get the bind you need to make this shift. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. So a lot on parish council, uh, a lot on finance council, just elections, like picking the right team and everything like that. And um, I think it's important uh, to take your time with this too. Um, you know, and like John said, if you're looking at the bylaws, uh, bring along people that you trust to help you construct those. Um, don't be afraid to make bold decisions. Um, you know, you will receive criticism for it. But then again, like you sometimes uh, to make big and great and wise changes, changes and choices, you're going to, you're going to face that adversity, but like, this is, this is to help you in the long term. So don't be afraid to do that. And if you need assistance or help, 
a great resource is John and his uh, organization, Parish Success Group. Um, you know, so you can reach out to him, Rich Curran, uh, and uh, John. Uh, they can do that by going to parishsuccessgroup.com. But how else can they reach out to you if they want to? Certainly, you can do social media, but all of our contact information is on parishsuccessgroup.com. So you see my phone number and email on there if you want to reach out directly and have some more conversations. Be happy to get on a phone call, talk with you a little bit more about that if you're a pastor, if you're interested in learning a little bit more. And again, I think this is going to be the first of many episodes we'll do over time on parish and finance councils. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here, um, you know, but this is something that, that we at Parish Success Group are passionate about because if we can get the structure of our councils right, this makes whole this makes everything else that we're doing in the parish actually that much easier right so this has a huge trickle down effect on how how strategic and how how impactful your parish can be moving forward so this is an important topic for us and this is also applicable to other levels of ministry as well like while youth ministry might not have a parish counselor uh, this can apply to your strategic leadership teams for each of your ministries this can apply to if you have subcommittees. I know that um, you know we have a subcommittee on children's and youth, um, not necessarily the election process, but some of these other things that we're going to be talking about as well. So uh, you know, if you're a youth minister, DRE, campus minister, uh, maintenance person, you know, whatever your role might be in the local church, uh, definitely stay tuned for these conversations because there are so many transferable principles that apply to the teams that you need to build to help. Uh, to help your ministry or your area uh, grow as well. So definitely reach out to John. Um, you can reach out to me. I'll probably defer you to Parish Success Group. Uh, but if you want to get in touch with me, uh, it's all things Marathon Youth Ministry. Go to marathonyouthministry.com. Uh, reach out to me there. Uh, also, we would love for you to uh, leave a comment at thechurchpodcast.org or better yet on iTunes. Uh, leave that five-star review. Let us know how we're doing and uh, share us with your friends and family. Um, your cohorts, your, your neighbors, your friends, because uh, we want to get the word out there on how we can make churches better. John, thanks for bringing this, this topic to light. Uh, will you close us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving, gracious God, thank you so much for this opportunity to, to, to continue to learn and grow and, and to, to share with the church community. Uh, and hopefully this continues to be a positive resource for, for those in church leadership so that they can do church better. Lord, we especially, we're still in this time of, 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 uh, of coronavirus and all those things. So Lord, we especially pray for all of our parishes, all of our parishioners and all people around the world who've been affected by this. Um, Lord, continue to be, be with us and as we as church continue to serve them in new and creative ways. Uh, and as we discern members to be in our pastoral councils and our finance councils, Lord, you know, give us the courage and the wisdom to, to move and, and shift and change the way we've maybe always done things and give us that, that courage that we need um, uh, to take up these topics and actually run with it why? Because it's all for your glory, Lord, to bring people closer to you, Lord. So be with us, be with all those who are hurting this day. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.